Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Elkshade Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man, your host, Welcome to season five. Here we go. This podcast is brought to you by discipline, delayed gratification, and being accountable to yourself. This podcast is about finding the high road, working hard every day, creating the best possible version of yourself. Our values are faith, family, fitness, finances, elk hunting, and career. Our guiding principles are authenticity, transparency, and out hustling the competition. Our podcast is brought to you by Buck Knives, Onyx Hunt, Vortex Optics, Wilderness Athlete, Black Rifle Coffee Company, Crispy USA, Matthews Archery, Kufaru International, and BlackOvis.com. Welcome to the Yoke Shade Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man, your host. How are you? What is good? This is the great time of year to get super serious about your training. Most of your hunts are winding down. You have taken the time to identify your weaknesses. You have put your goals in writing. You have created a blueprint, a plan, and now it's time to execute. Today's guest, NFL, Derek Wolf, Beast. Actually, he's a Viking if you saw him in real life. And he's coming on today to share his story. Uh, how long he's been into hunting, how he came from humble beginnings, and how he's created a life for himself. We get into some of strength and conditioning and some bow hunting and life, and I love this stuff. So, Derek, thanks for coming on. This was an awesome conversation. I hope you guys enjoy. Without further ado, this is Mr. Wolf, and you're listening to the Elk Shade Podcast. So, what's up, man? Not much, man. Just getting the kids off to school and Trying to get some breakfast in and busy day. I'm trying to find some time to train today. It's just one of those days. I felt like that was yesterday for you too, man. Like both our kids. <laughs> it's every day, man. So how old are your kids? Um, my, my oldest daughter is 15. 
She's a sophomore in high school, and then my youngest is three. Has she tried to go on a date with a boy that she brought over to your house? Yeah. How'd that go? <laughs> it was, I was I was briefed. My wife had to like brief me before the whole thing went down. She was oh, like, yeah. She's like, listen. She's like, listen. The harder you fight this, the worse it's going to be. She's like, so just go with it. And I was like, all right. So I had to like kind of go with it and let her kind of figure it out on her own. And she's figured it out. Like it, she, it was the right move. You know what I mean? Like not, not pushing back too hard. Cause I did, I really like first when I found out she was like trying to go on a date and I was like, uh, uh-uh. but then I was like, you know what? She's a sophomore in high school. It's like, you know, as, as long as, as long as it's like there's parents around and they're not by themselves and this and that, it's fine. But you know, she figured it out and was, she figured it out and realized that she was like, I don't really want to have a boyfriend. It's kind of dumb. I was mm. like, exactly. So. <sighs> Dude, I think uh, when it comes to, okay, just checking. I'd say like my daughter right now, she's eight. She's an angel. She loves her dad. And I'm wondering when does that change? Does that change? So, so Tatum is my stepdaughter. All right. So when I, she, she was eight years old whenever um, I came into her life. And she was the, like a sweet little angel, right? The only thing that happens is that they become a teenager and they think they know everything. That's what happens. Once they, once they hit like 13, 14, they start thinking that they're smarter than you, that you don't know what's going on, uh, that they can trick you. It's like, I was, I was a teenager too. I know all the tricks. (laughs) So so you're not going to trick me, but for the most part, man, she's just, she's awesome. Like it's just, she's such a blessing in my life, man. She's, uh, she's loving and sweet. So it never really goes away. But my, my three-year-old is like, she's, she's the same way. She's super sweet, super smart. Like all she wants to do, she wants to come hunting with dad. Like that's what she wants to do all the time. So it, I don't know, man, it's just a really weird, it's really weird having a 15 year old and a three year old, like the schedules don't match up at all, you know? So it's like, it, you're playing like it like chess and checkers at the same time somehow and it's it's weird yeah now so you basically since you've retired you're not sitting around like i can just use an example yesterday i'm trying to mitigate like i'm doing a remodel right now in my house um creating content trying to sneak into a tree stand for the evening hunt gotta get a training session in or i'm not this i'm not i'm not proper and i felt like you had kids sick yesterday as well. And you were like, dude, if I don't get a workout in, or if I don't get to hunt, I ain't straight mentally. And I'm like, dude, we're cut from the same cloth. What, what's the deal with that, man? I don't know, man. I, I really don't understand it. Other than the fact that it's just like, when I get done, it's the endorphin dump that you get. Right. Or like, um, you know, when it comes to hunting, like just the solitude, and, you know, being able to like stay in the moment when you're hunting, it's just like, it keeps you grounded in that moment. Um, same with training when, I, you know, I do, I do a lot of hit, like every workout I do is like an exhaustion workout. Like I don't do, I don't do like a bodybuilding type workouts. You know what I mean? It's all, you know, cause I, with football for years, it was all just like power and we're training power today. We're training, you know, speed today. We're training, uh, you know, some kind of Olympic movement today. It's all, it's all their lateral movement. We're working this and that. Now I'm just like training just to like exhaust myself. So I'm doing these crazy hit workouts where it's like, you know, four minute, um, imams and 10 minute imams and stuff like that. And 
uh, you know, trying to keep the weight down. Cause I don't, I, I'll push weight still, but I don't push as much as I used to, you know, cause everything, I, like I said, everything I was doing, I was getting ready for 350, 360 pound dudes to try to push me. So now it's just a lot different. And I think what it is, is I think it's the endorphins that you get from it. And when you're anytime that you push yourself to like that limit, right. Where you have that, everybody has that threshold where it's like, okay, I think I'm going to, qu- I want to quit where your, your mind is like, I go ahead, stop. You're going to die. You should stop. You should stop. You should stop. And you push through that. It does it does something for you. Like your endorphins, the dump you get from that, from like accomplishing and pushing through that. Um, cause I, I mean, there's been times where I was like, dude, I just can't, I I'm going to, I'm going to hurt myself if I keep going and I'll stop. And then I'm like, I regret it every time. So I try to do my best to like push myself without pushing myself too far. And it, and it, dude, it just does everything for me, man. It just like, like it gets my day going and it helps me stay in that mode. Cause it's like, all right, I already did this today. I already pushed myself to that. So I could do anything today. Mm, I feel that now I am an EMOM uh, connoisseur and I don't know what it is, but I, I can't do a structured strength training program without some sort of structure, if you will, like the EMOM every minute on the minute, every two, every three you know, doesn't matter the movements or what I'm pushing or pulling or hinging or squatting. It's like, I don't have time in my life to just sit around and rest randomly until I feel like I'm ready to do a next set. Uh, so a ton of my strength training has become scheduled EMOMs variations. When did you first get exposed to that methodology? Um, I just started doing that this year. Uh, it would have been, so I had two hip surgeries this year. So I, I, both of my labrums were just ripped off. I was going to say labrums. Okay. Yep. Yeah. They, they were just ripped off the bone and I had a, a ton of arthritis in there. Uh, just, you know, just from the years of, you know, pounding on the football field and heavy squatting and heavy deadlifting and heavy cleaning, all that stuff. It just kind of, it builds up like, you know, it builds up all that grit in there. So he, he had to reattach and re-anchor both of those labrums. So I spent, I spent a lot of time rehabbing. So when I was able to start training again, like really start training, my wife was going to this trainer here in Denver and he, it's called hit squad. And I was like, well, let me, I was like, yeah, let me come to a couple of classes with you and just see how it goes. You know? And I was like, man, this stuff is fun. Like, I love it. Cause you're pushing yourself, you know? And then, and then I started, I was like, what is this one minute on? Like, cause I'm used to doing six minutes of like, or six seconds of like as heavy as I can go. Right. And then you take a two minute break. So you're doing like three to six reps heavy. And then you're taking like a minute, minute to two minutes rest, like 90 seconds usually before. And then you would go back to doing it, go do it again. Cause that's like how you train your power. Cause a football play is six seconds long. And then you get 30 seconds of break. Um, cause it's like six seconds, you know, in a football play, if you can go as hard as you can for six seconds, you're going to, you know, you're going to get at least 20 seconds to rest. So that's how I trained. But when I started doing this stuff, I was like, man, this is pretty, uh, this is pretty intense. Like I'm exhausted every time I do this. So it's like, I just was like, all right, I want to get to the point where I'm not so exhausted, but no matter what you do, it's all about how hard you push yourself. Right. Cause it's all about how many reps you like. I want to read this workout to you. I did yesterday. Yeah. Um, let me find it here. Sorry. How many years did you play for, uh, Denver? I played eight years for Denver and I played my last two years in Baltimore. Roger. Okay. Yeah. I do. Do you do, do uh, AMRAPs as well? Yes, I do them. Do I like them? No, unless I have somebody to compete against. And, um, you know, I can like gauge my effort 
am I beating their ass or not? Like if I'm solo am rapping as many reps or rounds as possible, you know, I could potentially like start pacing and being, you know, whatever. But, um, no, I, I think am reps are good. Um, I like task priority versus time priority. So time priority workouts are usually am reps. Like, Hey, five minute am rap, do as many reps or rounds as this workout. But whereas it's task and there's like, okay, you do this for time and you're done and there's light in the tunnel. I usually push a little harder on those, but they all have their place, man. All right. So here's, here's one I did the other day. And I had to do so, cause I, that's the other thing I going to, I, I really love to go to the gym. I have a home gym that I have everything I need here, but it's like, you know how it is like going to a gym and having your, having somebody to help push and, you know, yeah. kind of guide you through it. But so we started off with like a five minute Iman. So you do 12 cows on a, it's just on a row or just 12 cows, right? Every minute on the minute. And I just, dude, I get those 12 cows done so fast because I could pull so much power coming through that. Right. What is, what does your screen show when you pull on a rower for cows? Like what does it flash cow per hour over 2000? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I can usually pull like, if I like really start pulling, I'm at like 25, 2600. And I've never seen that number on the rower, just so you know. <laughs> well, like, like, that's the thing. He was like, you know, we're going to go to that. The one day he was like, we're going to go 2000 meters, you know, as fast as you can. And I did it in like 645. Oh, so you're not a, you're not messing around, dude. That's, that's a different energy system. That's a different energy system. Wow. And I was wrecked, dude. I was absolutely wrecked afterwards. You know what I mean? But that's the crazy thing about the rower is like, while you're on there, yeah, you're like, your heart rates up and you know, your breathing is control. I just, I learned how to control my breathing, uh, striking, like working with striking coaches a lot. And yeah, MMA fighters and boxers and stuff, they teach you how to control that belly breathing. Right. So that's what I'm doing while I'm on that thing. And then when I'm done, I got done with that thing. I couldn't stand up. No, I was, I was wrecked. <laughs> it was, it was pretty bad, but my, yeah, so I'll do, yeah. I'll do EMOM. I'll do a 12 cal EMOM times five. And then I'll go straight. Like there's no rest. I go straight to deadlifts. So I'll do like, like I'll put like 365 on there and I'll do five reps times five on the minute, every minute on the minute times five. Right. And then I go right back to the rower and then I go right back and then I do the deadlifts again. So I'll do that, run through that twice. So that's a 20 minute workout and you've basically done five times five is 25. So you've done 50 pulls on the deadlift and you've rode 12 times five, 60, 120. You've done 120 calories in 20 minutes. And you can, you tell me people that you don't have time to train, just throw an EMOM in there and get it structured and you're not messing around and you're taxing certain energy systems and you're kind of doing interference type training where you're, you're pulling. So you're, it's all posterior chain. And then you're pulling from the floor. That's all posterior chain in that interference and high heart rate pulling. I'm a huge fan of man. Like a lot of people, you take their heart rate up and they get their breathing hard and they can't pull as much as they usually can or whatever. That's such a potent formula. I love it, dude. I absolutely love it. Um, yesterday we did one. What was it? It was, I think, I think they call them AMRAPs. I'm starting, I'm still learning all the, all the terminology with this stuff. Right. Um, cause a mentor, one of my, I call him my big brother, but he's been into this stuff for years and he's always like, talk to me about it. I'm like, dude, I, that's like, so out of like, that has, I can't do that stuff and play football. Like it's, it just doesn't go together. Right. It's a yeah. totally different type of training, but we did one yesterday where it was, there were four minute AMRAPs and it was, um, like the first, the first exercise was, uh, on the, on the bike. Right. So we did, uh, was 12, 15 cows on the bike. 
straight to a front squat, six reps on the front, on the front squat. And we did that. And you do that for four minutes straight and do as many rounds as you can. So I was getting five rounds. I did five rounds of it in that four minutes. And then from there we went to like, um, I I call them teabag squats where you're just like, you squat that you, you squat down and teabag the box and then jump up and and land on it. So six of those and then six toes. That's the other thing I do toes to bar. Like when I do, when I do, I don't just do leg raises. I do toes to bar. And when you're 285 pounds doing toes to bar, things start shaking around a lot. You know, like you're ripping that bar, that that bar just starts ripping around. And you know, dude, that toes to bar stuff is really difficult. Like it's, it's hard for me to do them, but that's the thing with the more reps you do, the easier it becomes, right? There's like a technique to all this stuff. And if you, that's what I love about it. Cause that's what football was for me. It was all technique. Like, and once you get to the league, everybody's big, everybody's strong. So whose technique is better is that's, who's going to win. Right. And that's what, that's the other thing I love about this the most is the technique side of it. And then from there, we went to, um, kettlebell, um, front, front racks, front rack, kettlebell, uh, backstep lunges, six reps, and then six kettlebell swings. Mm -hmm. So, and then you got to think in four minutes, you're doing five rounds of that, you know, and then, um, and then we went to the cow to the to the rower. So six cows on the rower, which is like basically it's just six pulls. Yep. For so you're you. just pulling six, yeah. <laughs> six six pulls. And then um uh what did we do? What do we mix in with that? I can't remember what we mixed in with that. I I'm having, I'm drawing a blank here, but we ran through that twice. So it was four different, four different four, so 12 minutes, so 24 minutes total. And like the reps that I I mean, it's just an incredible amount of, of workload in those, in those 20 minutes and those 24 minutes, you can get everything you need, mm. but then that's just one part of the workout, right? Cause I like to train for an hour. Yeah. But if I only had 20, 30 minutes to work out, it would be no problem. Like I can do that. You know, I could go down and that's the great, that's why I love kettlebells. Cause you can wreck yourself with one kettlebell, give yourself one kettlebell, 53 pound kettlebell. You can wreck yourself in 20 minutes. 100%. Give yourself a great workout. And, um, you know, I love it. And and that's the the other thing. The other reason I started doing this kind of training was because I was getting ready for, for my first elk hunt. And I was like, dude, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be out there and be dying. You know, I want to be in good shape. Like I hadn't been able to run for a long time. So I was like, we need to start, you know, I want to, I need to get my legs and my hips back strong. And that's what we did. We did this and I did, I crushed it. I went 60 miles in four and a half days. So here's the conundrum, Derek. I'm one of those guys who like you, whatever you put inside the big black box, I don't really spend a lot of time worrying about that. I just look at what I put in and what comes out. And so for the last 15 elk hunting seasons, I hardly ruck at all prior to season. Um, I get some reps spring bear hunting in the mountains, but I don't, I do all this hit cross fit cross training, whatever you want to call it st- uh, type of training. And I actually show up into the elk mountains and this is just me. It's this my narrative. This is my rhetoric. I actually get in worse shape elk hunting. I come out of the elk woods and I go hard for 30 days. And when I get back, I'm it's kind of like I'm restarting all over. And I'm like, man, I wonder if this is if this formula would work for other people where I'm not spending in a ridiculous amount of time rucking, hiking, yet that's the that's my if you said a did a needs analysis. Most strength coaches be like, well, you got to ruck. 
you got to do different loads, different paces, different, you know, maybe that's true, but I'm telling you this hit style of training for me has prepared me for all the bursts. You need to go chase bugles, all the endurance, all the stamina. Um, so talk to me about how that worked for you, how your elk hunting experience went. And then I think I, I got to know this before you answer those is you said you weighed 285. There's no way you weighed 285 a few years ago in the league. Like what was your highest weight? What was the best weight for you in the league? And then what's your plan for your body weight? I mean, I don't think you need to be carrying around. Like, were you over 300 ever? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I've been all the way up to, I've been all the way up to 330. Uh, you know, in college, my sophomore year of college, I was 330 pounds. Um, but then when I got to the league, when I got to the league, it was like here in Denver for those eight years, I would try to stay at like 295. That was like my preferred weight. Right. So I'd start the season. I'd go into training camp at like 300, 303. And then you're just like getting your, you're getting your butt kicked for, for weeks. Right. So you drop some weight. So I would drop down to like 290 during camp. And then throughout the season, I would gain a little bit more weight back. So like 293 was like my fit. That was like my preferred weight Two not 293 pounds. I always felt the best at that weight. Anything below that, I felt a little bit lighter. And then anything above that, it was harder for me to, I could still run and do everything I needed to. It was the stopping, mm. like being able to stop on a dime, you know, with all that, uh, with all that extra weight pushing on you, being able to stop and change direction. That was the difficult part. So I, I thought 290 was like a perfect weight, but it wasn't difficult for me because my natural weight is like 285, like 280, okay. 275 to 285 in, in there, like that 10 pound swing. I was a wrestler in high school too. So like drifting five, six pounds at night is nothing, right? Like I'll drift, I'll drift that kind of weight at night. And then you eat as you eat throughout the day and drink water. You know, if you're drinking a gallon and a half, two gallons of water a day, you know, you're going to, your weights, you're going to be five, six pounds heavier at night. So to me, to me, like right now I'm trying to stay at like 280. I think 280 is a good weight. 285, 275 is even like, I start looking skinny when I get to 275, I look really skinny. You know, cause I'm six, six, I'm tall. I got long legs. I got long extremities. So I start looking kind of skinny, <clears throat> but as far as the, uh, the training goes, I think you're right on that, man. Cause I did what I would do. What I was doing is I was going on hikes with my daughter on my back. So I just would put her, you know, she's 35 pounds and I just put her in there and we'd go on a six, seven mile hike, you know, and, and she, she loved it. So it was something we would do, but that didn't get me in shape what got me ready for the, for what I was about to do was, and and what you said about coming out of there out of shape, I did that. That, that happened to me too. I was like, dude, I feel so sloppy right now because think about it, you're eating peak meals and green bellies and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like it's, you're not eating like you would eat normal. Like I'm not coming out. I'm not coming. Like when I could get done my workout, I'm, I'm eating some elk loin or something like that. You know, some sweet potatoes, elk loin, some broccoli, like, I'm not eating some, you know, broccoli and cheese, chicken, cheese and broccoli peak meal, you know, coming out of the woods or, and you know how like a, a hunt camp is, if you're with a guide, you're eating like barbecue and oh, yeah. pork and all this other stuff. And it just tears me up, you know? So I did, I came out of there way out of shape, but the training I was doing this hit training, I had my, my best friend came with me and he's a lot smaller than me, but he was like, he's from back East. He lives in Ohio, but he was doing like a lot of biking and a lot of running and all this stuff. Dude, he was dead. He was dying out there and he's in really good shape. And he was like, dude, how, how are you like, how, how'd you get ready for this stuff? I was like, I told you months ago that you better start doing some hit training. I was like, cause now I'm showing, now you're seeing like, you know, we packed his bull out. I put a hundred pounds, hundred pounds of his, his elk onto my pack. And we hiked that thing out five miles. 
and he he couldn't do it. He got like halfway and he was done. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. So we had to like come back and get his get his pack for him and stuff because he was done. He was wrecked. Well, like he, he couldn't go he any further. Wall. He literally he hit the out. wall. Yeah. Mm. And he was like, dude, that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. I said, bud, that ain't good. <laughs> Here at Oakshape, we're very picky on who we decide to partner with. We take our brand very serious. And if we have a partner, we want to brag about them because we believe in them. Numa Outdoors, that's the clothing we wear. Discount code Elkshape20 will take 20% off your first order. Vortex Optics, Vortex Nation, proud partner since 2010. On X Hunt, become an elite member. This is the most reliable app for hunting on the market. Discount code Elkshape takes 20% off your elite membership. Buck Knives out of Post Falls, Idaho. They've been in business since 1902. Matthews Archery, a brand that not only has the same shared values, but continues to push technology and making the best bows on planet Earth. MagView, this is the digiscoping solution that simplifies the entire process. Discount code Elkshape takes 10% off. Wilderness Athlete, this brand makes supplements, does not specialize in marketing. They specialize in making you better and recover and being healthier. Discount code Elkshape22 will take 30% off your first purchase. Spy Point Trail Cameras, Trail Camology. Trail cams are an extremely useful tool to help you scout, figure out game densities, and understand animal behavior. And they make very reliable trail cameras that you can count on. Kafaru International. The Hoodlum is my all-time favorite backpack for elk hunting. I don't even know how many elk I've packed out with that pack, but I always can count on it. The frame is in a league of its own, and Aaron Snyder is running a phenomenal company that we believe in. Crispy Boots, Crispy USA, Crispy Hunting. These boots are the best bang for your buck. Minimal break-in period. Lots of flex ratings to suit your style and terrain that you hunt in. Check out a Crispy dealer near you. Baku e-bikes out of Ogden, Utah. E-bikes made for hunters by hunters. Use them where legal. It's efficient, quiet, and exhaust-free way to get in and get out of your tree stand or your hunting location. Black Rifle Coffee Company. Coffee is life. And this is a veteran-owned Pro 2A company. Discount code Elkshape takes 15% off. Blackobus.com is where I do all my shopping and I use my own discount code, which is Elkshape. It takes 10% off. Fast and free shipping, a vast variety, and great customer service. Sheep Feet, Orthotics for the Hunter. Put these in your boot and elevate your game. Leak less energy, prevent injury, and hunt more efficiently. Discount code Elkshape takes 10% off. TheElkCollective.com. Digital elk hunting education video driven enter the discount code elkshape podcast all one word to save a few bucks and get to learning fatty meat sticks from smokewood these are my go-to snacks when hunting protein and fat great energy sources super convenient delicious you can find them at any convenience store near you marsupial out of arizona they make the best bino packs period handcrafted here in the usa and we stand behind them yeah i I mean the running a lot of guys think they got to run um you know my homeboy cam he he lifts and he runs. He doesn't do hit training. Although I've gotten Cam to do hit training with me before, he did fine. He's a great athlete. He's the exception. But I think 
I don't know, I'm trying to double down on this message is like, I don't believe running exclusively is going to create all the energy pathways, all the structural integrity, the strength, the power, and the endurance that you need. Also, there's a big mental side of HIT training. You mentioned it like six, seven minutes ago when you're like, when your brain's like, hey, you got to stop, you're going to die. And you push through that, man, that makes elk hunting so much easier. And then, oh, if you, if you get done elk hunting and you're like, man, I feel like I got in better shape elk hunting. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it right now. Your program's not working. I think you go elk hunting for two, three weeks straight and you come out of the woods in worse shape you're doing it right. And I'm just going to mic drop there. I really believe that's the truth. And then you're backing me up, which is making me super stoked. I totally agree. Well, it's just because I, I experienced it. You know, I did, and I, I went, <clears throat> I did two, two back-to-back hunts. I did a, an over-the-counter hunt here in Colorado. And that was, it was hell. Like it was absolute hell, you know, going two miles through you know, blowdown, two miles of blowdown, you know, hiking in 10 miles and then going two miles through blowdown just to get to, get to some water. You know, and then it's like, okay, we haven't seen a single elk in five days, you know, and then coming out of there, then we went down to New Mexico, straight to New Mexico. So I did, I, in 10 days, I put 120 miles on my feet, on, yeah. on just my feet, you know what I mean? So it was like, I did, I felt like I was so out of shape when I got done with those hunts. I was like, man, this is wild. Like I was in really good shape going into this. And now I feel like, like, I feel like I'm starting over. And when I got, and it was only two weeks, I can't imagine a whole month, you know, if I took a whole month. To just go out and hunt. I wish I could do that. That'd be great. But I just don't, I don't get to do that kind of stuff. I have to take it in, you know, five days at a time or two, three days here, two, three days there, just because I, you know, I'm working a sports radio show now. So, um, I kind of have to, I have to be around for that. But for the most part, man, the, the hit trading gets you ready for the elk woods better than anything else that I can really think of. Like, I can't think of I see all these guys carrying weight around and doing their little running and stuff. And Cam is the exception because Cam does run. He runs through the mountains, right? Like he's running and he's running hills and mountains. And, and when we talk about that mental side of it, like waking up at four in the morning and, you know, getting up, well, three, you wake up at three 30, hit the, hit the woods at four to try to beat everybody else to, to your spot. Right. You, you do 1500 feet vertical climb in the dark your mind is telling you to quit every, every step, right? It's yeah. like, you got to stop. You got to stop. Cause you're, you're, you're huffing air. Your legs are burning. Your guts burning. You don't have any food in you really, you know, it's like, you know, all you, I, I would just try to get some coffee in me right away, you know, For sure. go do my hike, go do my hike, take a poop and then, <laughs> and then get the hunt going. You know, that's, that's really how it was. That's like the number one thing every morning elk hunting is get the coffee, get the poop, get to going. And, yeah, uh, that's, that's the thing I have to ask you. Um, so I don't, I'm not a huge Broncos fan. I've been to the stadium. I'm, I'm closer to Seattle, although I'm really stoked that Russell Wilson is now a, a Denver Bronco. Um, we don't have to talk about that. It's bad. I don't, I don't know what the hell's going on there, but, um, <laughs> were you on the 2015 team? Oh yeah. Oh, so you got a ring. Yeah, I got a ring. Wow. Strength coach. We have talked about it in text message. Luke. It was he Luke there? Richardson, man. Oh yeah. 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 Luke was my strength coach for six years, man. Okay. So I, in 2005, I'm going to age myself. Um, I went down to Arizona, uh, to do my master's internship at athletes performance. Luke was like the head dude there. He was running all the, uh, 2005 class. 
through the combine school that basically getting everybody ready for the combine school. And he was such a hard ass on, I was just an intern. So, um, it's not like him and I were boys or we hung out. It was like you Staten, go mop that floor. Sir, yes, sir. <laughs> you know what I mean? But after a few weeks, I really got to know him from a, a coaching perspective. Poise, command, that guy, that's one of the best strength coaches I've ever seen, like, take people through sessions. Um, talk to me about him a little bit. Man, you know, Luke, meant, he meant so much to me in my career because I was I can't, he was my first NFL coach, really. And when you come to, like, any any athlete, they they know that you spend most of your time with the strength coach. That's the one, like, especially in college, especially when you get to the league, like all spring you're with them. And dude, I'm telling you, not just the strength and conditioning that he could get you to and where he could, he got me in the best shape I've ever been in. Like that Super Bowl 50 run was, I was in the best shape I've ever been in. Like I was unstoppable. It was, it was insane. And I was so strong and I was so fast and I was, but it's not just that it's the mental side. He really was like big on like the mental side of the game and like how to like keep your mind in the moment, right? Like stay in the moment, like constantly like, cause you know how it is. We create scenarios in our head. Like, Oh, they're trying. And that's the thing about the league, man. You're always like, you're always looking, looking behind you. Cause you're like, they're, they're trying to bring somebody and take my job. And like Luke was always big on like, Hey, let's stay in a moment. Let's worry about what we can control. They can bring in whoever they want. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who they bring in. You're better than them. You're always going to be better than them because you work harder. Nobody's going to outwork you. Mm. And that's just kind of like the mentality that he brought. And, you know, what, like, and then he would take, he would break it down to like calories. How many calories are you taking in a day? Let's get your weight to the perfect weight. You know, it's like such a science to him. You know, I was, I was so blessed to be around a guy like that, man. He just, he just was an unbelievable coach. And we went to two Super Bowls together. We won one. Um, and then he, uh, then he went to Tennessee and then he was like, you know what, man, I just want to coach my son. In football and his son's a stud too so wow yeah his, he's he's a cool man he's a cool dude man he's great great guy to work with you know i have nothing but good stuff to say nothing but love and respect for that guy that's man that that warms my heart um yeah i knew he was special but it's cool to hear someone at your level um when you're in the league for all those years and you're a diehard outdoorsman passionate about being in the mountains like Dude, I mean, I gave up my dream to be a strength coach for the NFL a long time ago because I knew about elk hunting. And I'm like, I can't do that. I, I, I'm going to choose. So my question for you is like, how did you sneak in hunting with such a year-round job, a, a.k.a. NFL? And then what was it like your first year out of the league? And you're like, dude, I get to go elk hunting again. <laughs> yeah, so so I grew up in Ohio, man. And, and in Ohio – it's it's so simple. You just get a white, you get a deer tag and you go hunt deer. It's not a big deal. Right. So then I, I go to college and I had no time to really hunt. So like I'd sneak in a hunt here, like in college, you get like two years, two weeks, a year off. That's it. So I'd get to sneak up to, to Northeast because I went to Cincinnati. So I'd drive across the state and go hunt my hometown, you know, once a year and it'd be like a two day hunt. You know what I mean? So like, you know how that goes, you know, good luck. Yeah. You know, so basically it was like, let's just heart, let's just try to get some, some meat, you know, so killing does and little bucks and stuff like that. But you didn't get to really put the time in on anything big. And then, and then when I came to the league, your September is done. Like once, once halfway through July, you go to training camp, you're done until February. Yep. So I would get a bye week here and there and I'd get, and I, but I didn't get to go in the, that's the thing, bro. I'm not going to the elk woods on my bye week. Like I'm not going to go 
I'm not doing that. Like I'm going to go to like Florida or something somewhere <laughs> yeah. and chill, you know? So yeah. I would go down to Florida. I'd go down to Florida and like we'd hunt um, exotics and stuff down in Florida, sure. do stuff like that, you know? Um, but for the most part, man, there, there was no hunting. Like I'd get to do some Turkey in the uh, spring Turkey here and there, but that's the other thing in April we have OTAs. Yeah. So we're practicing, we're doing spring ball in April. So it's like, I'd get to sneak away for a weekend here, a weekend there. So I didn't get to really like focus on it much. And then here's what, here's what's crazy is when I went to Baltimore, it's dude, you could kill as many deer as you want there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You could kill as many does as you want. You get three buck tags. So when I went to Baltimore and it was COVID and we weren't doing in person, we weren't even going to the facility. We'd go in there and practice and then come home and do our meetings from home. So I was doing my, my meetings from a tree stand. So that like, so I finally awesome. got to like really hunt, really put the time in on, on hunts, you know, and during those two years while I was in Baltimore, it was great. And then, like you said, that first, <laughs> that first September, man, I was ready. I could not wait this lot. There was this past September. I could not wait. I've been dreaming. It. That, that's the other thing. When you grow up back East, an elk hunt seems so far out of reach. Like, especially when you're broken, you have nothing, you have nothing. It's like, dude, how am I going to, I can't, I didn't even get out on an airplane until I was a freshman in college. Like I never flown on an airplane before. And then, so to me going out West was just out of the, like, it was out of this, it was not even something in the realm of possibilities, but then, and then when I lived here, I didn't even understand the point system. Right. So I should have been building points the whole time I lived here, but I didn't understand any of that. So I wasn't building points. So I had to buy a, I bought a landowner tag down in New Mexico. I was like, you know what? I worked all this time. I can afford it. I'm doing it. Bought a unit 34 elk tag. My best friend came with me and did. It was like everything I ever dreamed it would be. It was unbelievable hunting, especially after getting my butt kicked in over the counter, Colorado, not seeing a single elk here. I heard one bugle in five days and I think it was another hunter. (laughs) (laughs) It probably was. Yeah, dude. New Mexico special, Colorado special. Um, elk hunting is a gift and i can tell you like it is expensive i know just from talking to you you come from humble beginnings which i really respect and admire and i understand you rub elbows with many millionaires my phone is blowing up i apologize so my question for you dude is like let's talk about trajectory um you made some bankroll playing in the league uh honestly i think i don't think you guys get paid enough for what you put your bodies through uh i don't and I think the that's a whole nother conversation, but that's just my personal belief is I think you guys are not compensated for the damage that you got, the trauma that you are going to feel in the next 10 years and then the next 10 years. But anyways, how did you set yourself up, man? Like you're, you're working and you're working in for the radio show right now. Like you're not just sitting on the beach. Um, talk to people who listen and, and probably just have a misconception of like, oh, you made all this money. You can do nothing and how you've made money work for you. And why are you still working and what drives you now? Like what's your next, what's your new Super Bowl that you're chasing? All right. Yeah. So, so like I, like I said, I grew up in Ohio, man. I, um, I've been living on my own since I was, you know, 13 years old, 12, 13 years old. Um, my mom struggled with drugs and alcohol. Um, my stepdad was extremely abusive. They split when I was 11. And then it was kind of like, I was on my own from there, you know? So I just figured it out. Uh, I stayed on, slept on a lot of couches. And then I ended up living with a a friend of mine on a black Angus farm. Uh, Then that's where I learned how to work. Mm. They taught me how to work, man. They taught me, they made me wrestle and they made me work. And it it was like the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, And then, but I always, everything I was doing was make sure I didn't end up back there. 
You know, I was like, I got to just push as hard as I can. I got to outwork everybody and just don't be it. And I, I know that's so cliche to say, like, nobody's going to outwork me. But I really took that mentality and like, like I, I always felt like somebody was, if I wasn't trying to work harder and doing something to get better, somebody else was trying to do that. So it was like, I, I just like, I had this like running clock in my head where it was like, I was putting in two, three training sessions a day, nonstop training. And then, uh, then when you get to the league, I was a second round pick. I was a, de- I was a Broncos first pick, but I was, a, it was, a, it was the 36 pick overall in 2012. I came in, I, I had to take, there's two people ahead of me. I was the third string. I took both of their jobs. So I, that's right. You did. I never took, I love that. No, that's right. So I never took, and they were all veteran guys for one of them was a first round pick. And one was a, uh, like a seasoned vet. And I was like, I was like, I never took it for granted because I knew what I had to do to get there. So I knew that there, it's only a matter of time before somebody tries to do that to me. So I just kept that. I like, once I got to the league, I just took it as like, okay, now the real work starts. Now I got to really start taking this, this serious. Right. And that's the other thing when you're on a rookie contract, if you're not a top 10 pick, you don't make enough money to, to, I mean, you, you make enough money to like, to, to have a good start, right? Your first four years in the league, you make enough to start your life off. What is the deal with that? I got to ask, interrupt, like, so you're a rookie, you can't, there's a cap to your first three years till you can sign a bigger contract. Is that what it is? Yeah. Once you're under contract, you sign a rookie deal and it's a, it, for me, it was four the first four years oh. I was under contract and I couldn't. And then after that fourth season, I was able to, uh, to get a new contract. Pay up suckers. I made it four years. You, yeah. And your agent, you're like, Hey, Go to bat for me, dude. This is like my one chance to really make the money I need to make. And then I had a, it was crazy because I had a decision to make, right? Because I could have, I loved it here in Denver. We just won a Super Bowl. You know, I was like, all right, I could stay here in Denver for like $40 million less than I could get on the open market. And that's a crazy number to think of, right? Yep. I could have gotten, I could have probably, I could have signed, I could have gone to the open market and got like a six or seven year deal for like 45, 50, 50 million more than I actually got. But what I was thinking in my head was, okay, the city loves me. The fans here love me. What about legacy? Mm. What's the legacy that I leave if I just pop, hop team? Cause I go to another team and we, I play there for three years. I don't play that whole contract out. You know what I mean? And then I jumped to another team and then another team. And then who knows about it with injuries and stuff? Cause I'd already dealt with a crazy injury in 2013 where I was paralyzed. So I was like, man, I was like, your days are numbered in this league. So it's all about what, what kind of legacy you're leaving behind. So I did, I signed a $40 million deal here in Denver for four years, which is great money after tax. They're going to cut that in half with taxes. You know, <laughs> remember that kids half. Yep. They're taking half of it. 50 cents. It's 48 cents on the dollar that they're taking. Which is why I get really, really, really upset when I see how our government chooses to spend their money and cannot stay out of debt, whereas I can stay out of debt with a thing called discipline, fiscal discipline. Anyway, I don't want to even interrupt your flow. Dude, I, I know. Like, I, could get into, I could get into that. We could have that conversation another day because I'm the same way. Gosh. I feel the same exact way. It makes me crazy. Okay. Um, so, so then so I signed that deal, and I, they, and I was able to stay here and play all the way through that deal. And then I went to Baltimore and signed a decent deal too. What's up, buddy? Yeah, next to my bed. Say hi, Derek. Hi, Derek. What's up, buddy? All right. Hey, go get that phone. I'm on the podcast. Sorry, man. No, don't don't apologize, man. Yeah. That's how it goes. I get it. Um, so so uh so yeah, I signed that deal, played through that deal. Um, and I was because in my mind, I was I, you know, like these business guys that I was around, 
that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. They always tell you, once you get to 20 million, you could live off of tw- a million bucks a year. You could spend a million bucks a year and never dig into your principal. And I was like, oh, so I, for some reason, I just like locked that number into my head when at a young age and was like, all right, if I can get to 20 million, like, you know, the sky's the limit from there. Then I could start investing. And, you know, and that was the other thing. I didn't really invest in anything while I was playing football, because if you can't put, that was the other advice I got. If you can't put your, all of your energy into something and pay attention to what's going on with your money, then don't do it. Just earn your safe 6%. You know what I mean? If you can earn your safe three to 6% and live off of that, you'll be fine. And then when you get done, then you could start paying attention and looking at deals and trying to figure out where you're going to make that money work, really work, you know? Um, so, so I did that. I went to Baltimore, signed another deal, which was, which was a decent deal, you know, uh, made all that money. And then I had to call it, man, cause my hips were just done. My hips and low back were just like screaming at me every day. I, I was having a hard time picking my daughter up. I was like, oh, I don't want to be like this, man. And I, you know, I live an outdoor lifestyle. You know, I like to snowboard. I love to hunt. I love to hike. I love to bike. I love doing all that stuff. I don't like just sitting around. It's, I can't do it. I can't just sit around. And I was like terrified of being in a, in a wheelchair. So I just called it. I was like, I'm done. It's time. 10 years is long enough. And so I, so I called it. And then as soon as I got done, I, I called the Broncos and they were like, yeah, we want you to retire a Denver Bronco. And I was like, yes. So they signed me to a one day deal for a dollar, mm-hmm. you know, $1 deal for a day and uh, did this whole thing at training camp to retire me a Bronco. And, and that was like, that was the proof in the pudding, right? That like the legacy is what you leave. And now every time I go somewhere, like I went to a, a Denver Nuggets game last night and it was yeah. like, you know, the love that I get shown around the city because they, they knew, they knew that I took a lot less money to stay here. They knew it. And that, that speaks volumes to, to a city, right? They're like, dude, he's not chasing money. He's chasing legacy, you know? And that's what I was chasing was legacy. And it worked out. And then with the radio thing, I've always had like a good rapport with the media here. Cause I would always give them good sound bites and, you know, I was always honest with them. I just kept it real. Like whatever I felt like was going on, I kept it real with them. I didn't sugarcoat anything. So they always appreciated that. And um, it was kind of crazy because as soon as I got done, I mentioned like, hey, I think I'm going to do some sports radio, you know, and <clears throat> in the back of my head. I, so there's two things I wanted to do. If it was up to me, I would just be hunting and really I'd be hunting and because I'm trying to start a YouTube. I'm starting a YouTube channel. It's, it's going to be launching in January. It's called Wolf Untamed. Uh, I partnered up with Go Hunt to do that. So Go Hunt's uh, doing all my production and stuff like that. But if I was, if it was up to me, that's all I'd be doing. But that's not real. It's not realistic, right? Like, it's just not when you have kids and stuff and and you live in an area. Like, I I just can't be gone like that all the time. But I can go film my hunts that that I am doing, you know, my five to eight hunts a year that I get to do. I can film those and share those with people and take cool guests on and bring new people into the game and Mm. Um, you know, that's cause that's to me, what's all about like getting new hunters into the game, right? Like get, educating people on the conservation side of it, stuff like that. And that we're not just out here murdering animals. That's <laughs> cause that's what people think is happening, you know? So yeah, <clears throat> I was, bl- I was blessed with this radio deal though, because it's the number one sports radio show in Denver. So in Colorado, whenever you, when people are listening to my show, you know, that's the show they're listening to. And I got like kind of thrusted right into it. And it's just, it's super natural and easy for me to do because I kind of have a PhD in football and most sport, like I try to keep it light. So we're not just talking sports, right? Like yesterday I was talking about Daniel Boone and when he crossed the Cumberland gap and 
how awesome that probably could have been. You know, so I'm, I'm really just talking about whatever I want to talk about, you know, and then I'm, I'm working on starting my own podcast as well. It's just, I'm taking it slow, man. I'm just like building listeners and building, building an audience. And then we're going to see where it goes from there. And uh, the great part about the radio show is that you, you pick up sponsors, right? So people want to sponsor you on the show. And I, I only, I only use like when it comes to the hunting and when it comes to my radio show, I only sponsor things that I would use or that I will use and that I am using. I'm not just taking money from people saying this is the best product out there, you know? And that's what, that's why, that's what I want. I don't want to be that guy where I'm just like, how many times you see a guy do an unboxing? This is the best pack out there. Well, how do yeah. you know? You haven't even used it. Or these are the best boots. And this is the best, you know, hoodie. And it's like, you have the tag still on it, dude. You haven't even worn it. How do you know? Yeah. They call those reviews. Those are overviews. I'm, I'm a huge, like I do unboxings and I'm like very transparent. I'm like, this is an overview. This ain't a review. A review is like after you've tested it. Uh, I feel that. Um, so getting into that, that's kind of like my jam is where you're headed. And I'm going to give you the good and the bad. And you already kind of know, like, so the cool thing is, is you have NFL tenure, a work ethic that's unmatched and a passion for the outdoors. That's pretty cool. And then it's, um, I mean, you have a built-in fan base already. And then when guys like me, who I, my favorite sport is football. It's the only sport I'll watch on TV besides UFC. And I love hunting and I have a narrow focus. I always look up to NFL football players. I don't know why. I just, I think what you guys do for work is cool. And then when I find out, um, like, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is homeboys with Levi Morgan. They hunt a lot together. Um, I remember I went, I took my wife to a Titans game when I, we were first dating and, um, God, I can't remember the strength coach's name. I'm getting old, but he was a buddy of mine. So he let me go in, um, before the game and hang out with everybody on Friday and Saturday. And then I can't, who was the head coach? It was Jeff, uh, Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher was there, and I remember shooting bows with Jeff Fisher uh, in the practice f- field, and I was like, man, NFL players who bow hunt are the coolest. So what I'm saying is, is like, dude, you already have a natural – like, you're going to crush. Like, it's going to be so cool for you to, like, bring us along your YouTube hunts and, and make a podcast with – I mean – I'm so stoked for you. This is going to be a, a fun deal. I'm going to be tuning in for sure. And I'm going to be dropping your link. So when's your YouTube go live? Uh, the end of January. Okay. And you partner with Go Hunt? Yeah, partner with Go Hunt. Uh, okay. Lorenzo Sartini and I became friends on a mule deer hunt that I was doing down in uh, Sagawash. And uh, I got I, I shot this giant fork buck at 70 yards, dude. It was awesome. I seen that on Instagram. He's a beaut. He's a beaut. Yeah, he was a giant. I mean, did he just he just dwarfed every other and he was so smart. He's cuz he's like 8 8 or 9 years old, you know. He just yeah. he hangs out in the middle of the open, right? And hanging out in some tall grass. Like he just would not leave that grass. And I was like, my only chance is to catch him coming through coming to these willows. So I'm just going to sit here and glass him until he moves. And he moved and I just took off. I took off, wrapped around him. My wind was perfect. I hid down in his creek bottom and uh, I went to full draw. I went to full draw and had to like climb up out of this creek out of, in full draw. And I was like, uh, my camera guy was like, he's just, he's 80 yards. I was like, you sure? And he was like, wait, 71 yards. I was like, all right, sweet. So I just let it go, man. I just, I let it fly. It just, I knew he would dip a little bit because he'd heard the, hear the snap of that bow and he'd hear the arrow coming. So I just aimed a little bit low and I just, it went through both shoulders, man. It's 71 yards. What's your draw length? 33. 
what bow do you shoot at 33 inch draw length? I sh- so there's two bows that I can shoot. I, I I have both of them. I could the, uh, the, the Matthews Atlas. Yeah, obviously. And the Hoyt Highline. Okay. Those are the only two bows that, that are, that have the draw length that I could shoot. And then my arrows, I can't cut them at all. No, they're full sized. <laughs> yeah. They're full sized and they're still pushing it. So yeah. it's, no, yeah, it's, dope. it's definitely tricky with, with the bow situation. What uh, archery shop do you go to and where do you shoot like in your backyard or like, like I know I'm friends with uh, Phil Mendoza, no limits archery. Have yeah. You I go there? to, I go to, no, that's where I do all my, that's where, that's my bow shop. That's my local bow shop. Um, I'm actually working with Phil right now. We're trying to get a, a little charity thing going here where, because to me, to me, th- th- this is going to get deep, but like my, from my mental state, from what I went through as a kid, the stuff that I have to do to like stay level is it's it, like therapy doesn't help, right? Like therapy doesn't do it for me. Being in the woods does it for me. Uh, football was a great outlet because I could let all that rage out, but it still wasn't like you could let all that rage out. But if you don't get some peace and some like real focus, it, it's just difficult to function throughout the day for me. So that's what, you know, hunting was really like such a savior for me as a kid too, because I was, you know, I'd spend my time in the woods and the camaraderie you get at, a, at a, the camaraderie that comes along with hunting when you're just around a bunch of guys that are in it for the same reasons, right? We're all just happy for each other. There's not real competition. It's, it's just like, we're all trying to accomplish the same goal, right? Let's try to get a big animal down, a big mature bull, right? Let's try to get a big buck down. Like you're just happy for each other. That kind of stuff is so important to me. So I think if you could get some of these inner city kids involved because they don't have, they don't have somebody taking, right? Like if it wasn't for my friends taking me, taking me hunting when I was a kid, then I would have never got to go. It would have never been introduced to me and that passion would have never been started. So if I can, if we could just get, you know, a group of kids from the inner city, from the go to boys and girls clubs and see which kids are interested, get them shooting bows. And then next thing you know, we're taking them on hunts. And just to, that could change if that could, if that could change somebody's life, you know what I mean? That could really change their life for the for the better, and push them in the right direction, and maybe open up another pathway. And the things you learn from hunting, right? Because you fail way more than you succeed. I mean, it's like a ninety nine percent failure rate, right? Like you're failing more than you're succeeding in hunting. If that if it was a hundred percent success, they'd call it killing. It wouldn't be called hunting. So so to me, like if I could get some of these kids involved that would never have the opportunity. I think it's just going to be something special. I'm working with a couple of different guys, Mike Hearn, uh, working with him on that, you know, cause he, he's the same way. He's in the same boat. He's like, man, if it wasn't for hunting, who knows what would happen to me, you know? And it's, it's, it's just such a blessing. It's such a privilege to be able to uh, chase these big, these big game animals, you know, why not bring more people into it and introduce it to kids and people that are less fortunate. Well said, man. Veterans, uh, veterans as well. I love working with veterans. I'm going to Texas with uh, Omar Avilia this weekend. All right, dude, that guy's hilarious. Yeah, Crispy's my yeah. He's so much, we went on a turkey hunt. It was so much fun. He's just hilarious. Is Lane filming for you guys? Uh, Lane's not coming, but uh, a guy that Lane introduced me to, who's been my camera guy since he introduced me to him, his name's Levi. Levi Mayfield he does a great job. He films for um, for um, South Cox. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah. And South's a badass, man. He does some cool stuff. Man, if y'all don't know who South Cox is, you need to get on your history of bow hunting. Um, bow hunting changed my my elk hunting changed my trajectory in life. Like I told you, I was down the path of being a strength coach and I wanted to be an NFL strength coach. And the, the Cliff Notes version is is, dude, I luckily killed an elk with a rifle, not really trying. And I've did some research and was like, oh, you can hunt them in the rut with a bow. 
I'll just go pick up a bow real quick. And I was 20 years old and I'll, I'll teach myself how to shoot and I'll go to Idaho and elk hunt. One elk hunting season archery changed everything that I wanted in life. And here we are today. And it's a huge blessing, like you said, and it's such an outlet. And, um, you know, it is a game of failure and it makes the reward so much sweeter. Um, I'm so stoked that you're sharing this with so many people and there's people that will look up to you that know nothing about hunting. And those are the people that I'm most concerned about, Derek. It's not the anti-hunters. They're always going to be anti-hunting. It's the majority of the people that are, you know, indifferent to hunting. And so they're, they're susceptible to being influenced. Why not us influencing them to see the positivity, everything you mentioned, including the conservation angle, so that when it's, when it comes time to voting, Colorado, we don't vote to have more wolves reintroduced into your state. You know, you have the best population of elk out of all the states out West and you didn't have wolves and now you got them in the Northwest corner. And my friend, once they start there, it's a trickle down effect. I've seen it in Idaho. So, um, Uh, it makes no sense to me, man. Why don't we have more hunt? Make it more accessible for in-state people that resident hunters to go out there and hunt them. If you want to control the population of elk, what better way to do it than have a bunch of guys with bows out there doing it? You know, rifle hunters too. Like, I mean, why not do it? Why not make that the the standard? Why do we have to introduce the wolves back into it? The wolves are causing more disease than anything. They're causing their, their scat is causing like different different diseases. I can't remember the name of the disease, so I don't want to sound uneducated here, but there's a disease that I was getting educated on on from these wolves that these their scat, I guess, is something to do with their their poop. That's just like you know, it's and it's trans. It's not like chronic waste where it's not transferable to humans. This stuff is transferable to humans. So it's like, why would we? Why would we do that? You know, let alone for the ranchers. These ranchers got to deal with them with their cattle and their sheep. You know, so let alone what it's doing to the elk population and the and the mule deer population. It's gonna just. I don't know. It makes me sick. I don't even want to. I don't want to get into it because it's stupid. It's just the dumbest thing that I've ever heard. It's basically a tapeworm. Um, exactly. Yeah. And I, I remember hearing that for the first time here in Idaho. When I say here in Idaho, I have to back up. I live in Washington. I live 20 minutes from Idaho, but I've elk hunted Idaho 22 years straight in a row. So, I mean, I remember the good old days. I remember when we I saw my first wolf and I remember when I stopped hunting certain areas because they were wolfed out. And I remember that whole conversation about that wolf scad and uh, I can't remember the the scientific name, but it's basically a tapeworm and it does affect ungulates. And yeah, man, it's a tough deal. I don't want to talk about wolves too much because I'll get all fired up. But I do think, I think our message is on point. Like instead of worrying about you hunt with the trad bow and I hunt with a compound or you bought a landowner tag in unit 34 and I had to draw. So my hunt is better than yours, or I was on public, you were on private. My hunt was better. I'm better than you. Instead of dick measuring, I'm stoked that you got a bull. I'm stoked that you got to go out and that you're a hunter and a conservationist. I'm not stoked that the infighting and being divided really makes us weaker than our opposer. And our poser is the anti-hunting. So let's influence the indifference non-hunting population by showing them the good the positivity. And, uh, I think that's what you got to do, man. I think that's your calling. Right. That's, and that's the thing, man, what you, what you just said, hit the, you hit the nail on the head because 
why would we, who cares if somebody hunted with a, with a crossbow or somebody hunted with a compound bow or somebody hunted with a rifle or a muzzleloader? I mean, there's so many ways to do it. It's all, it's all a gift, right? It's all a gift. And it's all, you know, some people just don't like to hunt with a bow, right? Or some people have the the funds where they can go buy a landowner tag or they could buy, you know, you got these billion, like you're mad at me for buying a landowner tag. What about the guy that's buying a, the billionaires that are buying these governor tags? Right. These governor tags go like a, a sheep governor tag for a bighorn. It's like almost a million dollars. They're spending a million dollars to go hard to go uh, take a mature ram. It's crazy to me. But that money is going into the concert. It's going to the state. Right. So it's like, why do you, who cares? Who cares, man? It's all it's supposed to be fun. So if we can't come together because divided, we fall. Right. Yeah. Like if we keep it, if they keep it, we stay in fighting with each other. We're going to fall. And we're not going to every, and then it's going to be really hard. None of us are going to get to hunt. It's going to, because that's, that's what their goal fear. is. And that's what their goal is. Their goal is to make it so none of us can hunt. And my state is leading the league. Like we literally, my state is just, Washington is just so disproportionate anti-hunting and just coasties on the Seattle area. Oregon's very similar. It's just like, man, we have this large influence of, you know what I have? the majority of the people on our game commission have been appointed and they're actually vocal anti-hunters. So like everything that gets voted on, like we had a spring bear hunt. We didn't have one in 2021. Uh, I'm 2022, no spring bear for the first time this year, 2020 or 2023. We're not going to have a spring bear hunt. It got voted and it, it, it goes against science. And I, that's a whole nother podcast. But I think what your point is, is that look, man, we got to crush this infighting. And I think it starts with people like you, leaders in the industry, continually bringing it up like, hey, man, be happy for each other, like full of stoke. I mean, it's easy to be jealous in hunting, man. Like, do you ever get jealous when you see you're going through Instagram and you see somebody just got a bull and you're, and you're like, I haven't got one yet. It's tough to hit the like button or call. like, that's just maturation and it will come and I will continue to preach like the maturation of being like there's enough cake for all of us to eat man there's i know food. you know what i'm saying i know i know exactly what you're saying man and it, that's the that's the thing you should be just as hyped for the next guy as you are for yourself right like if like when, when one of my friend when one, one of my buddies kills a big elk or kills a, a nice white tail or gets a big t- big long beard or something I, dude i'm just as hyped like it hypes me up i'm so fired up to see my buddies get you know hammer something or see a guy that's why on instagram i'm always comment like dude that's a stud like that's a stud deer like good job man i don't care how you harvested him it, it's still a, it, it's hard to do this this game is hard man it's not mm-hmm. easy everybody put the you know put the work in one way or another sometimes you get lucky right sure. but for, you know sometimes you sometimes you just get lucky but for the most part man you're out there putting the work in every time right like back east i got buddies that they sit all year long in the same tree stand chasing one deer for two, three years straight. And then finally it happens. Oh. Right. And it's like, dude, like you put that kind of time in and like, I know it's not like physically hard, but the mental side of it, of just sitting there and not seeing anything for days on end. And then you but you have a trail camera and you know, that things that deer's coming through there. So, you know, it's only a matter of time before he daylights and you just got to be in the right place at the right time. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's why I love elk hunting. Cause I could get up and move. Yeah, I'm just chasing. I'm just chasing bugles. Like I don't sit still. Sometimes I got severe ADHD, so sitting still sometimes is just difficult. 
the hardest thing for me when it comes to whitetails is you're like, so we're athletes. I'm going to put myself in that category and your resting heart rate's low because you're an athlete and you can't move and you're in a stand and you're holding dead still. And these deer pick up movement. They pick up sound, especially the more mature. It's like a, it's like this bell curve of maturation where like, man, these next level deer, you just, you can't like just getting to full draw is the, is the game. Like get them to daylight. That's one part. Be, have your set right. And then when you finally do see them and your heart rate goes from resting heart rate to max and you're like pounding out of your chest, dude, I'm here to tell you, like, it's harder for me to kill a whitetail with a bow than it is elk hunting. Like elk hunting, my heart rate's already high. I'm already sweaty. I'm seeing the elk. I'm in tight. I've had several encounters. Whereas whitetail, you're hit, you're hoping for one encounter with a target buck and then it happens and you're holding still and you're supposed to be able to execute. (laughs) It's nuts. It is crazy, man. The adrenaline rush that you get is out of control. That's why, dude, I'm telling you, I started hunting from a tree saddle because in my opinion, when I'm, when I'm going to lock on or like a climber, I'd stick out like a sore thumb. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I still, I do. I stick out like a sore thumb. So like I, what I do is I get in that saddle and the, the trophy line, I will start working with trophy line. Those guys are from, from Western PA. Like I just, they've been following me since high school. So they like, were like, Hey man, you want to saddle hunt? And I was like, yeah. So they started hooking it up, you know, and I was like, sweet, this is awesome because I can use the tree. I'm st- already standing and the tree is hiding me. Like I'm using the tree for the cover. Like the actual tree itself is my cover, right? So I can, st- I'm standing knee- knees against the tree. And that way, like, cause think about it, man, when a deer comes in and then you got to stand up and it's like, <laughs> that buck is looking straight at you and he's gone and you're never going to see him again. Cause he's not this, I'm telling you, once they hit like four years old, they're just a different kind of smart for real. Like, yeah, you might, you'll see some, you'll get these dumb, you know, these dumb, goofy basket rack, rack eight, eight pointers to come in and just like ignore everything that's going on, especially if they're rutting. But people think that like, just because they're rutting that these big bucks are still dumb or they're doing dumb no. stuff. Like, no, their senses are on like a whole nother level, right? Yep. Tongues hanging out, they're drooling. Right. The first noise that they hear or the if they see something out of place, because they because that's the other thing about whitetails, they take a snapshot of the of the areas that they Non-stop. travel. Stop. Just so shutter. That's why that's why I don't ever go in there and cut limbs and stuff, right? Like oh, I don't do that because they know it. And I and I try to make sure that when I'm getting to my stand, I don't brush up against anything. Cause you leave your scent behind when you brush up against stuff. And it's just like it's just a whole different, it's like, a, it's, it really is like this calculated game of cat and mouse with a white tail where, you know, he, you need him to screw up once, but if you screw up one time, it's over, make one mistake and it's done. He's not coming back. He won't come back through there. Elk shape camps, 2023. What goes on at elk shape camp? A lot of stuff, but basically I can distill it down to this. We're going to sniff out your weaknesses, write you up a blueprint to tackle them head on and make sure that you're consistently getting into elk. You're consistently training and eating clean year round. You're disciplined and dialed at home, at your job or employment, and that you're making disciplined decisions that are going to lead to more success in life and in the mountains. Phoenix, Arizona, January 20th through the 22nd at Wilderness Athlete HQ, March 3rd through the 5th in Stonewall, Texas, right next to NUMA HQ. 
Julian Ranch, California, March 31st through April 2nd. This is in SoCal right outside of San Diego. Plus, we are going to do our inaugural women's only elk-shaped camp on March 30th. Gals, you are invited. It's a women's only event on the 30th, and then you'll jump right into the rest of the camp. We also have couple discounts. Make sure to shoot us an email if you want to know about that. Vortex Edge in Wisconsin, April 14th through the 16th. We came here last year. It's such an amazing facility. It's so easy to put on a camp there. We can't wait to meet more Wisconsin or Midwest folks. And last but not least is a two-day intensive camp for Elite Onyx members only in Green Acres, Washington, June 17th through the 18th. Early bird prices go until October 31st. Regular prices kick in November 1st and late registration starts January 1st, 2023. We hope to meet you at an elk-shaped camp near you-ish. And we have military discounts regardless if you're currently serving or have served in the past. Email us to inquire within. Dude, I shot, you won't see uh, him again for weeks. I shot a buck last night. Um, and I'm glad we had to reschedule the podcast cause I would have missed it. I was dragging a deer out of the mountains and, um, this is the first mountain buck I've shot sitting down. I've always stood the last hour of daylight, but my tree stand for whatever reason, it's so cold. It, if I stand and just shift at all, which is hard to not do. So I finally, after screwing up a couple scenarios, I'm like, I'm sitting down and I'm going to shoot sitting down. And this, my, my target buck finally showed up first time ever daylight. And I had him on cam daylight in the last three days. I'm like, okay. And my set was in a spot where I could get into it. Like you're talking about without brushing up against anything I can slip in. So I slipped in about two 30, three o'clock and he didn't show up till about 20 minutes before daylight or 20 minutes before dark. And when I saw him, I I stayed seated and I was holding a cold aluminum riser phase four from Matthews in my hand with no gloves for like ever. And, uh, I remember I shifted just a, like a fraction and he, he heard that and I thought I was done, but luckily there was two basket four points right by me that I wasn't going to shoot. And they, they didn't hear that. Of course they didn't hear that. They're dumb. They're not even this buck's five and a half. Anyways, long story short is I was able to get full draw and I knew as soon as I got to full draw, like I'm like, okay, I'm going to kill him. And, um, it was the first time shooting a buck like sitting down. And I think that's what I'm going to do from here on out. That's the move or, or I dude, I highly see, I'm telling you, I I'm always preaching this to people and always pushing it on people, but I'm like, you should try the tree saddle, dude. I'm telling you, you should try it out. I saddle hunted this year, man, for elk. For real, did? I did. I went, I like, my, my goal was to kill a bull August 30th, 31st in Idaho. And I was in, a, I was hunting water and looking back, the wind was completely swirly there. So it wouldn't have worked, but, um, yeah, I loved it. That's, uh, I'm looking at that fun. picture of that buck right now. Yeah, dude. That's a nice looking deer, man. Thanks man. I he, look at that, that donkey head. I've been after him for a while, but this was like, he left the property right when the rut started and I was worried that he's going to get killed and it's, it's in a Canyon, it's in a mountain, but there's, I don't know. He must've gone to the Valley to chase does. And then he finally showed back up just a couple days ago. And dude, I was stoked because I was worried about him and, and, and I've been after him for a while. So nice buck. But I was telling you, man, the tree saddle is, it's hard to picture a six foot six former lineman in a tree saddle, man. So that speaks volumes to the, the their efficacy and that they work. 
it's safe too. It's just super safe. Like, I don't know. I could, you can hang upside down in that thing. It's, I, I, I just, I've heard too many stories of guys falling out and like, you know, it's just, I'm not afraid of heights at all. Cause when I use a climber, I'm going like 35 feet, you mm-hmm. know, I'm, I'm getting up there, Dang. but with these, you don't have to go as high with this, with these, uh, with these saddles, right. I, I carry four sticks with me at a small platform. It's easy to carry, easy to get up and down. I don't have to leave anything in there. True. Cause you know how hard, you know, putting a, a lock on and it's like, if you don't have two people with you, it's like, it sucks. It's, it, it's kind of sucks, man. Like it, yeah. it does. But with the tree, with the tree set, I can go out and hunt a whitetail by myself and not have to worry about anything. And it's, I don't know, man, it's just, it's, it's worked for me and you know, teach, that's the other thing, teach your own, man. If, if somebody's like, Hey, I like sitting. Cause that's the other thing. Being able to sit comfortably is, is nice, right? Like it's, it's nice to be able to be comfortable, especially if you're doing all day sits. But here's, here's my deal with the saddles for elk hunting is like, the, I got this tethered one that's super ultra light and I can bring like a couple climbing pegs or one stick. And I'm, and, and I'm convinced for elk hunting specifically that time is finite and that naps on the mountain are forbidden for me when I'm hunting. I, if I'm going to like, if I, if I, if it's low key midday and nothing's popping and I can find a wallow or a pinch point or something why not get elevated every day for two hours? That's just going to be an odds multiplier if you have six days or a 10-day hunt where you can get elevated. And I still haven't killed an elk from an elevated position. I, I like That's a dream for me. I want to do that. I want to shoot an elk. I want to be in a tree shooting down, them never knowing I'm there, double lung, short pack out. So that's why I've been packing that this year. And I think I'm going to continue to do that, man. That's going to be really cool. That's actually, I was thinking about that. I was like, man, why don't, I was like, why don't we try to hang a saddle at some of these wallows? You know, like, why don't, why don't we just, why, why we, cause like sometimes, you know, you walk through that wallow on your way to get to these bugles. It's like, well, why don't we just set up some sticks on a platform that way, you know, if this doesn't, if this doesn't work out, we could come back here and we could just chill in the tree for the rest of the rest of the afternoon. And then once it, you know, once it starts to cool off a little bit, we could jump down. Exactly. Just the it makes sense. That, yep. I never, I, that, that makes a ton of sense to do that, man. And I was, and that's why carrying something light is important, right? Like, cause obviously when you're out there, you know, packing around, especially if, I mean, dude, if you're, if you're spiking in, you already got 55 pounds, you know? So it's Minimum. like, do I want to add it? Do I want to add another 12 pounds? Cause that, you know, that's what sticks and platform and saddle. It's all 12, it's about 12 and a half pounds. It's exactly how much mine weighs. And it's totally worth bringing and I'm going to continue to do that. So, um, Derek, appreciate your time. I'm going to get my kids off to school to be continued. I want to have you back on, or I want to go work out with you, whatever. If you ever in my hood, hit me up. You got my number. And if I'm next time in Denver, I'm hitting you up, bro. Yeah, let's get after it, man. Let's do so. Let's try to get a hunt plan together, man. Let's do something, something cool. That sounds good to me, man. Um, let me know what you think about spring bear. I kind of have, that's what I was thinking. I was just going to suggest that I was just going to suggest a, a spring bear. Cause I, I did my first bear last year in, in uh, in uh, Wyoming. And it was awesome. Awesome. Yes. And I yes. tried to do that from a tree saddle too. I did a, I, I tree saddle hunted that. I did like a six hour sit and I didn't see any, any boars, but I saw some awesome bear activity. Like just, that was my first encounter with a bear. Right. And I was like, all right, at least I'm in a tree. So then the next day I was like, I'm ground hunting these things, man. Bears are magical. They're so fun to watch. They're so fun to watch. They're so cool. They're so smart. Uh, you know, just super cool. But yeah, man, let's try to, let's try to get a, uh, I was thinking like a, like a Montana or an Idaho spring bear hunt, horseback Spot stock, hunt. man. It's the best. Yeah. Let's do it. Done. 
Okay, man. Well, guys, check out Derek. Be on the lookout for his new YouTube series dropping in the first of the year. I'm going to leave links to whatever I can find on this dude. Check out his radio station. I'm going to put the radio link in as well. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Derek, thanks for coming in, man. Appreciate what you represent, what you do, all that hard work. Uh, Guys, I think one of the most important things we talk about on this podcast today is just quit the infighting, quit being jealous, quit being mean. Let's stay united. Let's not be divided. Let's... uh, there's we're small numbers we're small fries i saw a thing the other day uh about my state uh, because we talked about washington and only like two percent of our entire population 